queer life in Montreal was wild. Montreal in the 90s was a great time, but it had a dark side. It was not a safe city for gay people back then. But what else was behind a series of deaths in the city? Somebody's killing gay men. We want to know why. I'm Francis Plourde, and this is The Village, The Montreal Murders. Get early access to episodes at cbc.ca slash listen or by subscribing to the CBC True Crime Premium channel on Apple Podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. You've heard of prebiotics and probiotics. Well, now there's something new that until now I hadn't heard of, postbiotics. So this week we're asking, what do we know about postbiotics? Hi, Jennifer. Welcome to The Dose. Hi, thanks for having me. So what exactly did ferment your interest in postbiotics, if I can be a punster? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so yeah, I, I'm a microbiologist and I, I study um, gut microbes um, specifically in infants. Um, and so I'm really interested in all the things that are happening in the gut and all the fermentation um, that bacteria and other microbes are doing, you know, in the human gut. So that's why I'm interested in bacterial products. And everybody who's listening to us should understand just how much gut health has become a hot topic, uh, not just because, you know, it's, it's good for you because it's healthy, but because of all the potential diseases that could arise uh, when things go wrong inside your gut. So, so uh, that, you know, that, that's an interesting entry point for our discussion. Before we begin, can you give us a hi, my name is, tell us what you do and, and where you do it. You've already given away some of your qualifications, but mm -hmm. let's hear it all mm -hmm. formally. Yeah, my name's uh, Jen Stearns. I am an assistant professor at McMaster University in the Department of Medicine. And I study how uh, the gut microbiota is formed in humans, beginning with birth and throughout the first you know, few years of life. That's a nice way of getting into our topic for this week. First of all, what do we mean by postbiotics? Um, yeah, so pro postbiotics are simply the products of um, bacteria, but just um, beneficial microorganisms in the gut um, produce, you know, all kinds of metabolites um, as a natural part of their fermentation. So a postbiotic is trying to capture that idea of bacterial products or bacterial cells or um, other microbial, you know, products that actually have the beneficial effects that we're looking for when we when we take a probiotic or a prebiotic. So, so let's see if I've got this straight. Prebiotics are the food that probiotics eat, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, what pro what probiotics produce. Some people call it the waste products, but but uh, you're more neutral. You're just saying the substance is produced by by uh, probiotics. Those are what we mean by postbiotics. Yeah, and and even this, like components of the cell wall or enzymes that they make, um, or the waste products of metabolism. You know, I mentioned uh, as a pun, I, I, I talked about ferment, fermenting, you know, what fermented your interest off the top. And that's because fermentation is is an important part of postbiotics. Am I, have I got that right? Yeah. I mean, for some of them, I mean, like, like I said, the, the term encompasses all of the uh, material that um, you would consider in, a, you know, parts of the cell and, and anything that they make. And then fermentation is their metabolic processes. And so some postbiotics are the products of fermentation and some postbiotics are just, you know, the structural parts of the cells themselves um, and also some of their secreted, you know, polysaccharides and stuff. 
So we don't want to overgeneralize fermentation. Fermentation is important, but we don't want – and for, for, you know, eating fermented foods, for instance, may be important, may be an important source of postbiotics, but they're not the only thing going on that we call postbiotics. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're buying, like, for instance, if, if there's a supplement that is being produced and marketed, it could contain just the products of fermentation that have been purified, or it could contain the whole entire um, sort of killed probiotic cells and all the things that were in that mixture. When you eat fermented foods, then you're getting all of it. You're getting the prebiotic, the probiotic, and the postbiotic. So it's all kind of the super mix, you know? By the way, what are what are some of the foods that would have the highest content of postbiotics as far as we know? I think there's a number of fermented foods that have been around for a really long time. And I think that, um, you know, the evidence is there that they're they're beneficial because they're very relevant culturally. So, for instance, you know, kimchi or kefir, you know, these these foods that have been around, you know, for a really long time, um, yogurt in particular, um, with active cultures in it. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the empirical, like what the actual measurement is of, of bacterial products. I think some really common ones would be like, you know, acetic acetic acid, which is the thing that makes the yogurt taste kind of sour, mm-hmm. um, is a really common, I'd say, product of bacterial fermentation. And then, like I said, all, this, all the cultures themselves are, are there. And all of that stuff has, has activities in the body. So why do scientists think that postbiotics are important for our gut's bacteria? Let's start with that. Um, so postbiotics, I think, have the potential are kind of uh, increasing in popularity as, an, as a, a concept of something that has potential for benefits because let's say you want to give a, a, a probiotic to someone, you're giving a live organism. So if you're going to you know, use a probiotic for, uh, to, you know, decrease, you know, enteric infection or, um, increase gut health or, um, digestive, you know, help with digestion. You have to be careful that like, there's a very small risk of infection in immune compromised people or, or say like specific groups that are immune compromised. Mm -hmm. So postbiotics kind of are emerging as a kind of a safer alternative because you can remove all the live cells and still have the products of, bacterial metabolism or potentially the cell components that are bioactive. And so this has potential, but at the same time, it's unclear whether or not those are as effective as live organisms that are fermenting or that are doing their metabolic activities. That's one of the many things we don't know about, about postbiotics. I guess, I guess this, is, this is kind of an early stage uh, of, of investigation, of inquiry, curiosity about them. Um, I'm going to ask you about some of the potential health benefits in in a moment, but the first thing I wanted to ask is what's the nutritional value of postbiotics? So there are some small molecules that uh, bacteria produce from fermentation. And I think people may have heard of butyrate as uh, one of the short chain fatty acids that's, I think, becoming quite popular. Um, So we know that that butyrate is, is a source of energy for gut cells. Other than that, there are many other small molecules produced by microbes that can help with development of the, you know, the gut integrity um, and um, absorption within the gut. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of nutrition, I, I'm not sure that I, I don't think of it in terms of um, nutrition for the body, but more so as uh, modifying the body's ability to, you know, absorb nutrients and also have, you know, other bioactive effects on on metabolism. So, for instance, we've seen in some animal models and in vitro, we can we see that they can lower, you know, cholesterol and can help with blood sugar control, and um, they have 
a lot of activities, you know, with um, anti-inflammatory effects. Mm-hmm. Um, so less so nutrition for the body and more so active activities that promote, you know, gut health or, you know, hormonal regulation and, and that kind of thing. I want to take some of these one at a time. Um, you mentioned butyrate, and I see that it's been advertised as a weight loss supplement. Do we know if it actually helps uh, people shed pounds? That's the thing about postbiotics. There really isn't a lot of evidence. They haven't really been tested in in humans as an oral supplement, you know, in a, in proper clinical trials. There's a lot of work that's been done in animal models and in vitro, and and that has some potential. The one thing that butyrate can do is lower the leptin levels, so lower sort of the hunger signals. But that hasn't been shown in in humans as an oral supplement. What does the research show in terms of the effectiveness of postbiotics in reducing inflammation? Heat-killed bacteria, heat-killed probiotic bacteria have been shown in animal models and also in human uh, trials to be effective at lowering inflammation um, when given as an oral supplement. So that's the oldest um, pieces of evidence that exists already. And in particular, the the probiotics that have been around for a long time, like lactobacillus, and some of those have been tested kind of extensively for their ability to reduce inflammation. And practically speaking, you know, what would lowering the the immune response and reducing inflammation, where might that be beneficial? What are, where are researchers looking for potential clinical benefits, if, if not now, then down the road? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the proven benefits have been in, um, you know, post-diarrheal situations. So if, if someone hasn't had an enteric infection, then uh, recovering from diarrhea um, also preventing diarrhea sometimes in um, populations are at risk for it. So if you're taking an antibiotic and, you know, or you've had a, a nasty, you know, infection that is sort of like C. diff or something, then those heat-killed bacteria that have been marketed as postbiotics have been effective for that. Down the line, I think there's potential for many of the other effects, bioactive effects of those preparations to be valuable, you know, to be useful. And I think um, that could include, you know, in development of the, you know, gut barrier and also in cases where there's like in preterm infants where probiotics have been very effective at reducing, you know, the complications from preterm birth, probiotics have been have been shown to be really effective. And I think he killed probiotics might be just as effective, but they haven't yet been tested. Okay, so uh, so that's inflammation. Um, I noticed that some of those small molecules that, that uh, you mentioned uh, mimic or have the same effect as some brain chemicals, neurotransmitters. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering mm-hmm. that, you know, when it comes to postbiotics, might they have some effect on mood, for instance, or on brain function? Yeah, there's, there's some evidence like I said, from mouse models that probiotic bacteria can produce neurochemicals. um, And these can interact, you know, not just in the gut, but can interact, you know, at sites far away like the brain. And so um, there's definitely potential. Um, The question is going to be whether or not if they, they purify those, those chemicals from bacteria and they give it to you orally, will it actually have the same effect as, as the bacteria would have if it was producing it in the gut? So yeah, it's unclear how to get it to the site that we wanted to go to. Hi, I'm Asha Tomlinson. And I'm David Common. And we're hosts of CBC Marketplace. We're award-winning investigative journalists that want to help you avoid clever scams, unsafe products, and sketchy services. Our TV show has been Canada's top investigative consumer watchdog for more than 50 years, but this is our first podcast. 
CBC Marketplace podcast is available now on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. When it comes to postbiotics, I want to make something clear that I think I think you've you've kind of inferred, you know, because you know my first thought was that we were only talking about foods, and and you've mentioned supplements a few times. So, um, you know, which is the most desirable form? Uh, in which to take postbiotics uh, in in the form of actual foods or in the form of supplements? Yeah, I think that's really not clear yet. I I don't think the evidence is there. There isn't a lot of evidence about how effective the, the supplements are. Um, I think fermented foods are an easier way to um, get the desirable effect of, you know, back of probiotic um, organisms. But it just depends on whether or not you can tolerate those foods also. So there's there's many different instances in which they could be they could be beneficial, but I, I think the the probiotic supplements are still have to be um, proven. So until I, I heard the phrase or read the phrase postbiotics, I hadn't heard of them and, and talking to others, I'm I'm getting the sense that that people are talking about them. So why are we hearing more about them these days? I think the health industry. And I think the, as we become more conscious of of making healthy choices with the foods that we eat and um, trying to maintain gut health as um, the gut microbiome becomes more popular in the public space, um, people are trying to figure out how to, you know, improve their, their gut health in order to improve their overall health. Um, And postbiotics are just part of that conversation. But of course there's, there's always marketing of um, these products which I think gets into the media and, and then people are, are asking the question, like, would this be good for me? Can I take this instead of a probiotic, which I haven't found to be effective for me, for instance. So I think it's, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that probiotics work. There's not a ton of you know, empirical evidence from uh, clinical trials that show that probiotics are super effective for, for the things like weight loss or like you said, mood and, and that kind of thing. And so I think as people search for uh, ways to help with that, they're going to try kind of more of these marketed either supplements or foods. Um, so I think that's why it's important for, for us to kind of talk about what's really in them. And it's also really difficult to read the labels and, and understand what's really in, in this stuff, right? So I think that's why it's important to talk about, you know, how those bioactive compounds that potentially could have an effect like whether or not they're, you know, in the supplement or the food that you're buying. And, and you know, Jen, when we, we talk about individual supplements or, or foods, we may be missing the bigger picture that you talked about, you just touched on, and I want you to say a bit more about it. You mentioned something called the microbiome, the gut microbiome, which is a very hot topic uh, in, in, mm-hmm. in medicine and healthcare these days. I want you to talk about what that is and why, how that is important for our overall health. Yeah, so the the gut microbiota, or sometimes called the microbiome, is um, the collection of all the microorganisms that exist in the human gastrointestinal tract. So we co-evolved with with them over you know thousands of years, and they can potentially either um, be beneficial or detrimental in certain situations. I mean, and so in some situations, there is the potential to not have a healthy um, balance you know, of microbial metabolism in the gut, which can impact human metabolism. Um, We're still really in the early days of understanding what that means. So we don't 100% know what a healthy gut microbiome is supposed to look like. But we 
have been able to see differences in conditions um, such as IBD and even obesity and also some cancer where we can see that there is potentially, you know, an impact of the gut microbiome in those conditions. And so there's a lot of research right now trying to figure out what is a healthy microbiome. And if, if we know what that, if we can figure out what that is, then how can we fix an unhealthy microbiome and make it healthier? And so that's why there's a big push to um, try to feed, you know, the microbes prebiotics or try to take a probiotic to sort of supplement and put more bacteria in your gut microbiota. And that's, you know, something I'm really interested in. I think it starts in, in early life and can, can, can you know, um, have impacts on, on health throughout life. Some people listening to, our, to, to, to what you and I are talking about uh, are going to assume that if we're talking about postbiotics, we're endorsing them. And and my sense listening to you is that is that there's a lot that we still don't know about postbiotics. So what are some of the things that we don't know that we need to learn before we can start, uh, before doctors, for instance, can begin uh, recommending them for, for their patients uh, on a regular basis? Yeah, I think it's really important to know whether they're safe and effective. So the theory is that they're going to be safer than a, pre- than a probiotic because they're not live organisms, like the supplements themselves shouldn't contain any live organisms. So in theory, they should be safer, but are they safer? Like that, I think that needs to be tested and are they effective? So they seem to be very expensive. So if people are going to spend money on them, they should be effective, right? And like we talked about, there's a number of things that are bioactive within those preparations, everything from, you know, the cells themselves to the enzymes within the cells and, you know, some of the bacterial waste products. And how effective are those for different things like um, inflammation, reducing inflammation or impacting human metabolism, um, lowering cholesterol, that kind of thing. So I don't think any of that's been tested in humans, um, although there is, like I said, evidence from in vitro and mouse and mouse experiments. But how effective is an oral preparation that you're going to take at doing what it's you're hoping it will do? Are there any risks uh, to taking postbiotic supplements? I don't know of any risks. I'm not an expert on postbiotics per se. I would say um, I I don't know of any risks. I think there's always a concern with, you know, immune compromised or children or pregnant women, you know, that we have to be extra careful with certain populations. And so we are talking about the products of microorganisms that could react with people in different ways. So I think there isn't, I think, um, risks that I can think of you know, right off the top, but I think it has, we have to be careful, right, that we're not just treating them as completely safe. And last question I'm going to ask you, if a consumer is looking to try postbiotics, what should they look for? I mean, I think the evidence is there that the heat-killed pro- probiotic um, seem to be pretty effective, especially probiotics that have been found to be safe for many populations. A heat-killed version of that could be effective. And there's, it's really hard to find them. So um, right now, there's not that many being marketed. But um, I think the ones you would see most often would be these either heat killed preps, or maybe some of the butyrate salts. I, I'm not sure that those have been really shown to be as effective um, yet. So and, and so that I've got this, uh, so that I've got it clear in my mind, you said heat killed probiotics. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. you're getting rid of by, by definition, you're getting you're killing the bacteria. So what you've got left are the postbiotics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not going to have a lot of the heat. You know, some of the things may have been destroyed by the heat that you wanted. You know, some of the beneficial aspects of the uh, postbiotic may have been destroyed by heat killing. But so that preparation may not be as effective for, you know, say, um, an enzyme that was we thought was going to be the bioactive part. But um, but then all the other components are there. 
And if they're looking for foods, uh, so kefir, kimchi, you've already mentioned, tempeh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think kombucha, but I'm not, I'm not a, I've never really <laughs> tried it, but I think it comes up as a list of a, of a fermented food. I don't know of, of all of the fermented foods. I, um, I think yogurt and cheeses and uh, sauerkraut and pickles, those all, are all fermented foods as well. Well, you've just happened to have named some of my favorite foods. So, uh, yeah, so uh, good. Well, well, that's a great place to end our conversation. Uh, Jen, I've really enjoyed speaking with you. Thanks so much for having me. Jennifer Stearns is an assistant professor at McMaster University's Department of Medicine and the Farncombe Family Chair in Microbial Ecology and Bioinformatics. Here's your dose of smart advice. Probiotics are the bacteria and other living microorganisms that live inside your gastrointestinal tract. Postbiotics are the waste and other byproducts of those bacteria and other microbes. Some, but not all of them, are products of fermentation. Since probiotics are living organisms, there's at least a theoretical risk that people who are immunocompromised might be harmed by them. The idea behind taking postbiotics is that you get all of the potential benefits of probiotics with less risk. Postbiotics can be found naturally in fermented foods such as yogurt and kefir. They can also be found in food supplements. Researchers believe that some of those compounds found in postbiotics can help reduce inflammation inside the body, may help with weight loss, and may even work inside the brain. They appear to be important to maintaining a healthy gastrointestinal tract and may improve the health and well-being of premature infants. It's important to keep in mind that these are early days in our understanding of postbiotics. There's a lot we don't know. The evidence so far comes from studies in petri dishes and in animals. There have been very few human clinical trials. And we don't know whether natural source postbiotics found in foods or postbiotic supplements are better for your health. The best advice for now is to wait for more evidence and take any marketing claims with a dose of skepticism. If you have topics you'd like discussed or questions you'd like answered, tweet me at NightShiftMD, at CBC Podcasts, or at CBC White Coat using the hashtag TheDoseCBC. Our email address is thedose at cbc.ca. You can find The Dose wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this episode, please rate us five stars so more people can find us. This edition of The Dose was produced by Stephanie Dubois. Technical operations were by Lauda Antonelli. Our senior producer is Colleen Ross. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. If you're looking for medical advice, see your healthcare provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.